Hey, happy Halloween. Um, this is Charlie, and this is the podcast To Hell and Back. And I wish I could tell you I was wearing a costume. I thought that I would, even though you can't see me, just so that you'd know I was wearing one, but I don't want to be dishonest. <laughs> you know, I wish I was wearing a costume, but I'm not. Um, but in the spirit of Halloween, um, and definitely have that. And, uh, yeah, so I haven't been on the podcast for a couple weeks. And after today, I miss two more because I'll be traveling to teach DBT uh, over in Italy, actually. And uh, so I will miss a couple of them. Um, and then I'll be back. Uh, oh, the one uh, before Thanksgiving, I think that means. Yeah. And I'll continue today's topic. And what is today's topic? Um, I'm now, you know, I'm halfway through talking about the four different modules of skills in DBT. And I think of each of these skills as tools for surviving or navigating or getting, or, or getting out of hell uh, in life. And so uh, I'll be covering two more modules. I have covered the modules that basically add up to the acceptance skills in DBT, the mindfulness module and the distress tolerance and reality acceptance module. Now, next two modules both have to do with changing things. So the one I'll start today, and my guess is it's going to take about three weeks, three podcasts to do this, will be um, about uh, uh, emotion regulation skills. And these are the skills for changing your relationship to your emotions, transforming your relationship to your emotions. Uh, and I'll be getting into that. And then the follow the last module I'll do in this series will be interpersonal effectiveness, which is really changing your relationship to other people and trying to change the behaviors of other people um, in a skillful way. So all these great things ahead. This module in particular, Emotion Regulation, has just a ton of great suggestions of what to do about your emotions or what to do to increase your resiliency with respect to having emotions or what to do when you have a negative emotions and you want to reduce that or to transform that or to shift emotions. It's just a lot of good stuff. Um, and uh, I realize I always start the podcast and I just, my mind just told me that um, I didn't start this one by saying uh, this is uh, what date it is because I said happy Halloween. It's October 31st. It's four o'clock that I'm starting in the Eastern time zone in Massachusetts where I live and uh, this is podcast number 34. So I've been debating how to start. Um, there's a number of different things I want to do. And my guess is that this, there's going to be a, this will be a lengthy, um, by the word lengthy, I don't want to turn you off. Don't go running away <laughs> if you're trying to listen to this. Like, oh, no, it's going to be lengthy. It'll be no longer than the other ones, but I was thinking, um, will I get into the actual skills one by one by one by one of the skills? Um, I'm, I'm not sure I'll get that far today because there's a bunch I want to say about emotions, what emotions are, what's the nature of emotions, what are the conditions that give rise to emotions, and, and what's the overall point of view about emotions and how we can change them. So um, there'll be a lot of that. I hope it'll be highly relevant 
and then when we get into the actual skill by skill by skill, um, they'll make a lot of sense uh, with respect to this. Um, okay, I think the way I'm going to start is to tell you a little story. Um, hmm. Very close to my office, uh, where I go every day, Monday through Friday, is uh, a little shop for coffee and uh, and sandwiches and bagels. And uh, for years, I've gone there pretty much uh, every morning to pick up coffee and then most of the time at lunch just to go get a sandwich, in particular my favorite sandwich there being a tuna melt. And um, and I've always liked it there. The atmosphere has been great. Um, it's a very friendly group of people working there, enthusiastic. The manager herself is that way. They're very generous in their style. Um, they're very flexible and helpful. Um, when there was a storm that knocked out all power in our area for five days, of, what, three years ago, four years ago, uh, as I would expect they were literally the only location on in town that was open early in the morning like five in the morning uh with whatever they had a generator or something to uh, make and serve coffee for people and because people couldn't get coffee which was going to make everything worse so it's that kind of place and i just enjoyed going there and appreciated them um so then a strange thing happened a few months ago so what happened well, I walked in there to get my tuna melt at lunch, and uh, and when I walked in, I encountered um, a set of, I don't know, cues, you might say, a set of circumstances there that was unusual. There was a very somber mood in the place. Things seemed to be moving slowly. People didn't seem to be that friendly. Um, there were not that many customers. Uh, and the manager wasn't there. I looked around and thought, gee, what's going on here? Um, I asked one person about it who I had seen there many times. So some of the main people that worked there I didn't see there either. And um, they said that uh, management of this chain had fired the manager and that with the firing of the manager, two or three or four of the people who were long-standing employees with her quit. Uh, and it had all happened earlier that day, and it was clear that it just created this awful sense there. Um, and I noticed there was a man there who seemed trying to be very energetic over by the cash register, and he, was, he had the uniform on of the place and was uh, someone I had never seen there, and he was acting like a manager, and so I figured he was the replacement manager. Within an instant, uh, I was angry. Uh, I felt uh, that an injustice had happened and that uh, it wasn't fair, it wasn't right, that for some weird reason that was probably a terrible reason, they had canned her. Uh, I felt uh, heated up. I'm sure my heartbeat was going faster. I'm sure my breathing was shallower. Uh, I was just wired. I was, in a way, to look back and think, wow. Uh, I felt that, it felt it very personally, um, that it, that, uh, something had been done. There was a betrayal that had happened. And I was angry at those who were the perpetrators. Um, obviously, from what I've told you, and I've 
and I have, and I'm not leaving anything out. I really didn't know uh, anything other than what I just told you about what had happened. Um, but it was enough for me to generate uh, a really intense emotional response. I went over to the uh, cash register because I still wanted to just grab a cup of coffee uh, before I left. And But I also had all these uh, reactions to the new manager, or at least to this guy, if, if he was going to be the new manager. And I said, you know, I just want a cup of coffee, and I don't understand what's happened. He said, well, some changes were made. Okay, I just have my coffee. Uh, I'm a member. There's something you can pay on an annual basis, and you can get all the coffee you want. And that's what I always did, and they always knew that I was a member. He said, well, can I see your membership card? I said, I don't have it with me. I don't carry it with me now because I've come here for years, literally, and every day. And so everybody knows that, you know, so I don't show the card every day. He says, well, I can't really give you coffee without seeing the card. And, oh, my God, I wanted to hit him. I was so angry. It was it was really um over the top and um, I just thought I better leave I just said oh I said you know I just want you to know this is a very different tone than I've ever seen in here and I walked out and I had thoughts of um, God I hope they fail God I hope they go under God I hope nobody comes here anymore that everybody sees what's happened and everybody just uh, boycotts the place so I was in the grip of um, of, of, of changes in myself, of uh, changes in my body, changes probably in my brain, uh, uh, really angry thoughts, uh, retaliatory thoughts. Uh, I didn't quite take it as far as how can I get people to not come, but I kind of entertained that idea. Um, and I was, uh, I was cold, withdrawn, clipped, and a little bit mean. And except on the way out, I stopped by one of the employees across the counter uh, who was still there, who looked very sad. And I said, I'm really sorry about this happening. And she said, it's a nightmare. And I felt somehow better because I felt like I had connected with a compatriot. Um, and uh, although, of course, things were uh, probably much worse for her than it was for me. Um, so that's what I wanted to start with and say, because there was a, an intense uh, negative emotional response and uh, everything we need to know uh, sort of in the basics, the principles of what I'll be talking about could probably be re referenced back to this. I mean, there, I said all these things went on physiologically, chemically, in my thoughts, in my expression, in the urges that I had, it all took that tone. And, and I would, if somebody had asked me right then, what are you feeling? I would have said uh, angry, uh, retaliatory. And where did this uh, anger come from? I mean, it came from um, a couple things, didn't it? It came from this circumstance. And you might say, well, of course you were angry. But you know what? That is true and it's not true because, of course, I was angry, but also I was angry, angry. I was angry squared. And what was the other angry if it was angry or anger times anger? Well, it was um, that somehow this, uh, all that happened, and this happened so instantaneously that it's amazing how fast these things happen. What, a, what an operator the brain is and the body. Because I think within an instant what happened was my... Uh, 
my mind scanned instantly and located prior incidents. Uh, not every incident, but sort of a summary, multi-sensory uh, summation of uh, prior incidents in which there had been a betrayal uh, or hurt or loss, and uh, just rapidly. Uh, so I think that what happened was that um, based on all these innumerable instances in my life um, of these experiences that had something to do with this, uh, I came up with the word anger. And more than the word anger, and this is a point I want to make and I'll talk more about later, I came up with the concept anger, the category of concept anger. Because none of the other incidents shared all of the details of this incident. But I drew from all of the ones from the past and uh, drew from a kind of, like I said, a, a sort of a summary uh, statement of sense impressions and uh, circumstances from the past that were grouped together around this idea of anger. And, and I brought them uh, up out of the water and there I was really angry joining the past with this particular circumstance, naming it anger, holding the concept anger. Um, and that, with that concept came a kind of storyline of, of what had happened. Because notice, in my mind, I filled in a lot of blanks in the story. I had minimal data to work with. And I sort of uh, fudged it. I, uh, my mind quickly generated that she had been mistreated. I mean, for all I knew, it was possible that actually she asked to be let go. Uh, for all I knew, she actually had done some things that I would have let her go for. Um, I really didn't know. I didn't even stop to think of those things. I just quickly had anger. I had the previous instances that were in the back of my mind unconsciously. And boom, I filled in the blanks and I was just thoroughly angry. I brought it to bear on this. Where this will be important in a, in a few minutes is when I talk about the difference between what you might, might call constructing anger against a backdrop of sensory impressions and circumstances, bringing anger up, building anger, creating the concept uh, anger, um, uh, rather than just being a victim of the activation of the anger inside me. These are very different ways to think of the arisal of a negative emotion. Um, so I'm saying right now that I think I constructed anger and I filled in a lot of blanks. And it did a lot, and it did things for me. It activated me. It created motivation in me. Uh, I used it to communicate with people. First uh, there in minimal but nonverbal ways. And then uh, afterwards, when I talked to people and said what, would ha what had happened, and I was still caught up in uh, the injustice of it all. Uh, so it, it did a lot for me to have that concept anger. Um, and that'll come up when I do go over the skills, because um, one of the things you review in trying to uh, work with your emotions, is, and you think your emotion is, uh, is unnecessary and is just painful, um, to start to recognize what the functions of emotions are and the functions are there automatically and uh, and the um, and the emotion having having uh, an embraced or endorsed or created anger as an emotion right then and there against this backdrop 
it also uh, has predictive value. It, it, it's not only a concept that is then um, brought to bear in this specific instance and the blanks are filled in and the emotion, the intensity comes. But it also is predictive of, of now what's going to happen and what am I going to do next? And uh, then I have an urge and I'm going to, but I'm, it also gives you a prediction like this is not going to go well. Uh, and then when I saw the guy, I already had this all going. And then when I went to the counter to get the coffee and the guy was uh, finicky about the card and not very flexible or forgiving, given that this was a first day uh, of a change, um, I thought, see, my prediction is borne out. This guy is a jerk and, uh, and he's done a terrible thing. So, 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 so. The funny thing, though, is that when I think back on all the instances of anger and uh, betrayal that uh, I might have drawn from, that I naturally drew from in the back of my mind, because they are there, uh, and so they all circled around, you know, this was not the same as any of them. In other words, I had anger at my dear friend that I've talked about in this podcast before, when she had cancer and it went away and then it came back and she had treatment and when I started to get the idea, oh my God, she might not survive this, I experienced uh, anger at her, quickly followed by guilt. How dare I be angry at her? But I, I experienced anger. <clears throat> that was not the same anger as this. Um, I had a supervisor, I can remember, making certain uh, comments to me when I was learning to be a psychotherapist that I thought were unusually harsh. And I was really angry at him from feeling insulted by him, by a superior. And uh, that was anger, but it wasn't this. And I was uh, angry. I frequently have been angry at people on our road outside my house driving fast when I'm walking the dogs right next to the road and they feel like they're putting my life in jeopardy. I get angry at them. I get angry at my kids for not doing chores, right? I get angry at myself for making a stupid mistake. Um, every one of these instances of anger is different than every other one. And yet I draw from all of them and create a summarizing statement somewhere in the back of my mind of, of anger with the name anger. And then any new instance immediately brings to bear that summary statement. Um, and if one isn't careful and doesn't look carefully at a given instance and just has one big word for all of this, which is anger, then it's quite possible to blur the lines of the truth and to react simplistically, rigidly, and uh, without clarifying anything. And that happens all the time. Um, now, I did regulate my anger because we'll be talking about emotion regulation. How did I regulate it? Well, um, one thing I regulated it by going to the cash register and having an interaction with the uh, supposedly new manager and, and finding him to act a certain way that confirmed my hypothesis, you might say, my concept, my prediction. And in a way, that was a way of regulating and say, yep, there you go. And it just sort of confirmed it in spite of the fact uh, that it didn't actually say everything about him that I was attributing it to. Um, I connected with that employee 
uh, that helped me regulate my anger by finding a compatriot in the middle of this uh, deathly scene from my point of view. Um, I walked out so that I uh, walked out and literally stayed away for uh, almost six months. And then I started drifting back in. Um, and, uh, and I also ordered nothing. I felt I'm going to punish them. I'm going to deprive them. I mean, these are not great ways of regulating in the long run, but I'm just thinking back to what could you say? Because every one of us tries, unless we get completely stuck and trapped, we try to regulate a negative emotion. It just sometimes doesn't work or we get stuck regulating it in the same way over and over again. Um, I regulated the emotion in a way by hoping they would fail. And every day, because I would walk past them every day and go other places to get food or just bring my lunch or whatever. And, uh, and so it was both, it was a trigger again each day. I would look in and see, ha ha, oh good, they hardly have any customers. And I would, uh, feel that. I would scowl in their direction, you know, and, and so all of these things. Uh, so as a combination of uh, punishment and avoidance and finding a compatriot and telling, expressing my negative feelings to other people and, tell, and suggesting that they shouldn't go there either. So there was all of this. Um, and uh, so I was regulating my anger. But actually, I would have to say, in looking back and thinking, was this a skillful way to regulate anger? You know, it was more skillful than some things I could have done, right? I really could have done some things that were really off the wall and dangerous and uh, bad for me and bad for them. But this wasn't that. I, I stayed within the lines, you might say, um, and and nobody suffered that much. I suffered the most. But you know, over a six-month period, my suffering was still going on. I was still carrying my anger at them and the sense of injustice. And there had no been, been no real corrective action, you might say, in my brain to reconsider. Today, uh, while thinking about this this morning, I decided to go there for lunch. And I decided to go and sit there first for about 20 minutes, just silently, like doing a kind of a mindful practice of being there and noticing what it brought up in me, what it brought up in my thoughts, what it brought up in my body, my emotions, and looking around and noticing how things operate. And actually, after a while, uh, my mind was actually open to seeing the people there as people, seeing the people there as trying to do their job, trying to create an atmosphere. They were dressed up in Halloween costumes a little bit. They had candy available in front of the cash register. Um, they were in a good mood, these people, not one of whom was one of the same ones as was there six months ago. And, 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 the, and that manager from that day, there he was, dressed up in a silly cl uh, clown costume. And, um, and, and I, had, I, had, I felt like scowling at him, but then I just noticed, I thought, you know, I don't know what happened. And, I, and my mind opened. My mind, by sitting there, it let go a bit of the uh, open and shut case I had filed against them in the uh, in the in the courts of my mind, and it's sort of like, oh, all right, all right, things happen. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what was for the best. But you know what? They're here doing this, and uh, 
and who knows who knows i just sort of i just opened my mind and i so today i did this deliberately and i'm glad i did it i feel like it's now a place i can go again uh and 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 i still have a little trace of oh no will i be betraying this uh, person the former manager and i thought you know I don't think so, and I don't think this is a, a the kind of loyalty that's necessary, or that would, that you know. I, I, I and I, even saying this, I'm hedging a little bit, but um, but mostly I let go, and mostly I entered in after a while to that. And the guy came over when I had finished my sandwich, and uh, my plate was there, and uh, the manager, and he said, "Hey, can I take your plate and just give you some more space there?" And I said, yes, thank you. And he said, no problem. And he was so nice. Uh, and so it was different. So I just, uh, so, so today I did all of those things and I just used a more softer and flexible approach. And guess what? Um, my anger's down like 80% from where it was. It's another example of how, well, in an earlier stage of the podcast, when we were talking about PTSD and trauma. Uh, and in particular, when I was talking to Melanie Harned about prolonged exposure, as well as uh, talking to Natalia Garcia about the trauma of losing her two-year-old son, um, of how uh, avoidance prolongs uh, pain and suffering and negative emotions. So, there. Um by the way, there was one. I left one out. The most important background angry episode of of all, probably, because it was much more related to this, and it makes it more specific to this, uh, was that uh, when I was 12 years old, and due to a change in my father's work, we moved from the town where I grew up and the town where I had cousins and lots of friends and had been there my whole life and where my mother was extremely comfortable and where her sister was and her parents. And we had to move to the big city, Portland, Oregon. And, uh, and I felt betrayed and angry about that. And, and, and my betrayal, sense of betrayal and anger was on behalf of my mother uh, as much as me. I thought of how could my father do this to her? And and then I realized when I thought about that, oh my God, that that's much closer to this scenario. So one of the outcomes of going over this and thinking about this and thinking about how we construct emotions is that it's oversimplifying and maybe not helpful to think that there is such a thing as anger and anger has the same pathway and anger is always you know going to be subject to the same uh, skill treatment. No. There are many angers, and they come from many different specific instances of anger. And, and, and you really should be thinking, no, this is like this anger. The more we can have flexible and specific, and what would you call it, scripts of, angry, of, of what causes anger, the more we can bring to bear on the current new instance that sets off our anger, something very specific and more like that and understand it more clearly and predict things more clearly. Um, if I had thought much about that right then, I would have thought, yeah, that, that did happen to my mother. But you know what? My mother ended up loving where we were living, staying in touch with people in the former town and having a new set of friends, a new set of activities. And I don't think she regretted it after 
a while. So yeah, things change and yet we can hang on to our emotions in a way that's very damaging for us. Okay, so let me shift gears. Let me say to you, when I have taught emotion regulation training in DBT, um, so many times, uh, over and over again since 1990, 1990 probably, 1989, 1990, when I started teaching it and learning it. Um, I, I usually start my teaching of this, uh, usually the way I start it when I start a group is actually to just start with, hey, everybody, let's have a conversation about emotions and make it very low-key, kind of like as if we were all just hanging around having coffee together and uh, talk about emotions in order to get emotion language going, in order to find out where everybody is in relation to the concept of emotions, the, the ease with which they can talk about emotions, and really just kind of like do this for about 10 minutes to find out what the hardest and easiest emotion is for different people. Do they appreciate any of their emotions? What do they do when they have emotions? Just sort of like a preliminary uh, talk, talk around about emotions. And then I usually uh, talk about some basics that are not taught any one place within the skills usually, uh, or they might be in the skills, but where I consider them basics that I want them all to understand before we jump into the skills. So I'm going to tell you what those are. Um, and now I would be doing it somewhat differently, as you will then hear. But um, that is um, that, first of all, I tell people, I mean, let me just stop and say parenthetically to you, emotions are really, even as no matter how long you focus on them, think about them, they are so hard to grab hold of, right? I mean, I was just walking down the street today and uh, I had my backpack on. I was going to my office and where I live or where I work, there's a fair number of people that panhandle. Uh, and so this person sitting on the ground was asking for money as I walked by, just kind of a little quietly, quietly enough so that you can just walk by and not have to respond or just say good morning or something like that. And I walked by, and that already set off an emotion, uh, the emotion of uh, guilt, uh, I'm sure I, sh- I should I should be doing this. I should and and it, the problem is it happens every time, every day. I walk by people, and then I get annoyed also that they're there, without knowing their stories at all, which are probably pretty sad stories. Um, and so I walk by her today, and I'm experiencing a certain level of guilt. I don't know, three out of ten of guilt or something like that. And as I get by. She calls out to me, hey, your backpack is is open. So I stop and uh, take my backpack off my back and look at it. And indeed, I needed to zip it up. Something might have fallen out. I was already a fair distance past this person. And I just said, thank you. And I continued on. And then I felt like a real schmuck. Like, what am I doing? Just walking on uh, like this. I, I don't. And, and she, and she uh, offers to help me out like that. And I don't even go back and do something. And I just felt very awkward and felt like, damn it, I hate this. But you know what? It happens all the time. And, and in the last few days since I was going to be talking about this, I've just been noticing how 
I don't go 10 minutes without another emotional response. It's just emotion after emotion after emotion. And they're often low grade, but every one of them has some something associated with it, some whole story associated with it. It's amazing that it's going on. I invite you to, if you haven't done that, or it's maybe for many of you, it's so obvious that it's ridiculous even to say, but you know, it's just, they're always going on. Uh, I walk by this, I walk by that. Somebody says this, somebody says that. Um, I leave something in my car. I have to go back to my car. I have emotions about that. You know, when you really start to pay attention <laughs> at a certain microscopic level, realize emotions are not just sort of a thing that gets triggered every once in a while. They are constantly there. And they are, in a sense, constantly orienting me to my environment. Like emotions are a constant responsiveness to my environment. And um, actually, at one point, um, some of you would know this, I wrote a song because uh, I sang it on the podcast once. And I wonder, am, I'm just pulling up on my computer. I'm going to sing it right now, damn it, if, it's, if I find it right now. Sorry, I wasn't ready with this. I hadn't uh, thought about this ahead. Um, let me think. What? What this? Uh, I have a. I have to go in my computer right now to the DBT documents, and then among the DBT documents, um, I have a one that's called um, one file called the DBT songbook where I put all my DBT songs, and I'm almost there. And really, the point of this is that I wrote this song uh, after um, after I had read this work about constructing emotions that I'm going to be telling you more about, because um, I think there are some really important points in it. I don't think it's everything, and I think it can be a nice addition or supplement to what we do in uh, our DBT teaching about emotion regulation. Here we are. Let's see. I can just tell you, Ray, take a break. All right. For those of you who've heard this before, I apologize if it seems uh, too redundant. You can just go, you know, do whatever you need to do. Listen to something else. Do something else. Or you can listen to this again. Uh, this is a song. Um, called Riding on the River of Emotions. And it really captures this idea that emotions are just always going and, and they're, they are of all different natures and it's just air all the time it's going on. So what I did was when I thought about that, I realized I was, wanted to compare it to the way a river a white, with white water in it is always going, like the water never stops. It isn't like you start the water and then stop the water like a spigot. And it's to the tune of the city of New Orleans. Uh, you may or may not know that song. Um, but if you wanted to hear the tune somewhere, you could go to YouTube and look up City of New Orleans. Rafting on the river in the springtime, snow is melting, water's running high, rapids disappearing in the darkness in the depths, every rap rafters hoping not to die. Every day is just a river run, from putting in to getting done. Feelings just like waters rise and fall. Sometimes they intensify, they make us scream, they make us cry, and they take us on the greatest rides of all. 
Good morning, anger on the river. You crash us into boulders everywhere. You give us all a thrill just before we take a spill. And then you shame us all. You just don't care. Wisdom is to know the ways of water, to notice when it's friend and when it's foe, to always keep our heads above the surface, to ride the waves, but sometimes let them go. But when we're in the water's grip, we can't let go, because the raft could flip. We settle in and hang on for the ride. It's strange to say, but often true, that doing nothing is the thing to do rather than paddling against the tide. Hello, contentment on the river. It's nice to drift and look back where we've been. Your lazy pace allows us to recover and get ready for the turbulence again. Water and emotions just keep moving. Whether slow or fast, waves happen all the time. If we use our paddles with wisdom and with skill, by the end we might just feel sublime. Doesn't mean we're always dry. It doesn't mean we never cry. Water and emotions cut both ways. But observing rapids mindfully and using skills can set us free and give us lots of satisfying days. Good evening, darkness on the river. It's time for us to end another run. You brought us chills and thrills, now sadness, and now we rest before another one. So I hope that some of you who hadn't heard that before found it a good way of capturing this. Now I want to tell you other basics, uh, uh, or the basics that I, that I use um, when I teach. One, as I go over, that emotion is a response, an instantaneous response to some perceived information that comes into our sensory system, either externally or, or internally, like interoception or proprioception or uh, noticing what's going on inside or having a thought. So emotion is a response to that. Second, that emotion is a complex response system, and it's a system. It's made up of many components and it sort of just comes in and we're aware of it we sometimes don't know quite where did all this come from that's what makes it kind of weird and mysterious compared to things that you have more control over like if somebody says uh, why don't you think about a pink elephant you can think about a pink elephant if someone says why don't you generate anger it's hard to just directly generate anger you can generate anger by thinking of something that makes you angry thinking thoughts that make you angry you could generate anger by starting to act angry, and then you would probably find that the emotion would follow. But, but emotions sort of, um, I don't know, they come out of other things. And they come up all, all, from all over uh, ourselves, from our head to our toe. Uh, and they include thoughts and brain changes and physiological changes in the body and urges that we have and expressions uh, of emotions that we do. So emotions are complex, multi-component phenomena. Next, um, researchers for a long time have focused on identifying and naming what are the primary emotions. And this began uh, out of Darwinian 
theory about emotions and since then of people uh, settling on the idea that there are certain primary emotions the way that there are certain primary or complementary colors um, and that, you know, people um, busily name them and research them and say that other emotions are kind of like modifications or variations on those. Um, and the primary ones are things like, uh, you know, and usually the minimal size list is seven or eight of them, and sometimes it's up to 11 or 12 um, and can be more. But it, it would be fear and guilt and shame, uh, anger, surprise, disgust, uh, joy, um, an emotion called interest, which is interesting, um, and that these are the primary emotions that drive that drive that drive uh, us and and that combine into other emotions. Um, and so there's that idea that's come from evolution. And you know, along with that idea is that these these uh, primary emotions sit in us, you might say, in our brain and in our nervous system, in our body, they sit there like a like an action pattern, like a pattern that's waiting to be triggered. And then it's and, and it has a, each emotion has its own fingerprint. And it, the hypothesis that goes with this kind of theorizing is that each emotion has its own neurochemistry, its own, their own neurotransmitter pathways or networks in the brain and so when it's at when you have anger or shame each time you have one if it's the same motion again you're going to see the same uh, neurobiology showing up um, and it turns out this is not true but uh, that's the way it's been thought of for a long time and the idea that each emotion has its own fingerprint has given rise to the idea that e we might want to address each emotion uh, in a different way or with a, in a special way uh, from early in the world of DBT, the development of DBT, I can remember Marshall Linehan saying it made an impression on me uh, that, um, you know, you want to determine what emotion somebody's feeling. And so you go asking about it. You know, what emotion are you feeling? Hoping they have a name for it or that you can determine a name or you can figure it out based on some of the characteristics. And then because then if you actually find out what the emotion is, if it's anxiety or if it's fear or if it's shame, um, that we have a treatment that varies from emotion to emotion. We have treatments for emotions, and uh, therefore you want to find out what the emotion is. So that goes along with this basic set of ideas, uh, that there is a fingerprint, that there is a neurochemistry to each one, etc. Um, then I, I've always liked explaining to people that there's uh, the difference of primary and secondary emotions. This is a different use of the term primary than what I just used. Uh, the primary that I just used was, you know, one of eight or nine or 10 or 11, 12 emotions that are sort of uh, universal. They're all over the globe and they're characterized by similar neural pathways and things and uh, they have fingerprints. Um, this use of primary doesn't mean that. This means any emotion that you have as your first response to a situation, your first response uh, somebody uh, tells you, um, uh, I wondered if I had put an example. I didn't make a note of any. But uh, somebody tells you, uh, well, I already told you one. I walk by somebody, uh, I'm angry, or I was angry at my friend Cindy when it became more clear that she might die of her cancer. And then instantly followed by guilt, and guilt became the more prominent feeling. Um, the anger, in a way, 
became a hidden entity. I moved on from it, and yet it had a powerful impact on me that was hard to reverse. The impact was that I distanced from her. I could feel it. I felt like something had snapped between us. I sort of hate saying this. Um, but uh, And then I felt more distant, and I felt less compelled to be in touch with her all the time and things. And I would fight that because I felt so felt guilty. And I didn't think of myself as being angry. I just felt like a distance had grown, but I had imposed the distance. Uh, and it was partly because I just didn't stay with my anger the way I did today, finally, uh, six months after being angry at this uh, coffee bagel place. Um, so um, the the primary emotion is the initial automatic and natural valid response to this to the circumstance to the prompting event you might say and then a secondary emotion is the second is is the emotion that comes in in response to that emotion so so anger followed by guilt uh it could be that uh you see sometimes in teenagers and as well as people throughout any age but a lot you see this in in teenage boys uh, that they uh, feel ashamed of their behavior, of something they said. I mean, their high, high, heightened self-consciousness is part of the story. And they feel ashamed as their primary response to something. Somebody says something, they feel ashamed. Somebody insults them, they feel ashamed. They make a mistake, they think they make a mistake, some, they feel ashamed. And then the shame almost automatically and quickly turns to anger. And then they lash out. And what all you see is the lashing out, and you think, ah, oh, they're person responded with anger to that no actually that's not not as accurate as say they probably responded with shame and then from the shame they quickly moved on to anger because shame was such an unacceptable emotion to have so it's very important when doing emotion regulation to understand this difference now here's the revisions i think that are in potentially in order to this model which we've used in dbt um, the work of the la of uh, oh between ten and twenty years, the research work by a an, a psychologist and emotion researcher in Boston named Lisa Feldman Dash Barrett. Lisa Feldman Dash Barrett. If you haven't seen her work, uh, you you can see her talking on YouTube. There's a twenty minute TED talk where she goes over some of the basic concepts, and she wrote a book. Uh, I think it's called How We Construct Emotions. And it, and it really is a different take on emotions, and it's more like something I was alluding to earlier in this talk. Um, you know, and, and the idea is this. I'll try to get it across, um, though I highly recommend that you uh, uh, go over, uh, look at her stuff. Actually, I'll just try to say one step at a time, here's how her theory is. An inc- and you can apply it to the incident that I had at the bagel place. An incident happens, right? So first of all, just you encounter an incident. It comes into your brain. The specifics of the incident set off through your sensory perceptions and uh, a sort of an internal set of sensations uh, and perceptions in the brain and in the body. We would call it also in the mind. Um, and at that stage, before you do something else with it, which is almost impossible to 
stop it at that stage. But at that stage, it has no special additional meaning. It's just sort of you have activated multiple sensory inputs into the nervous system. And there they are um, existing, being real, activating things in a way that probably could be measured. And then the person instantaneously senses the input and then, as I was describing before, draws on a history of prior incidents with the same similar input, same or with some similar input. Um, and so there you are, as I was, with this kind of jangling set of feelings about walking into this bagel place in its atmosphere and realizing that she was gone and then learning that she had been fired. And in that context, then the brain does something. The brain creates an efficient um, multi-sensory summary, uh, or it has one. It activates an, e an efficient, uh, condensed, multiple sensory summary from previous incidents that bear some resemblance. And it holds that summary up as a concept, you might say, if you could slow down this process, as a kind of program with meaning. Uh, and it is a much richer summary than what you're actually experiencing or seeing. It's richer in the sense that there's a lot of blanks filled in. You're filling in the blanks. You're seeing part, you're seeing a scene like I was seeing at the bagel place. And, and I'm activating this in my brain from pre previous, uh, incidents. And that summary quickly fills in the blanks of look what they've done. Look how they've treated her. Look what they're like. What a jerk, etc. And that summary, perhaps you might call that summary anger. Uh, it's a concept. In Buddhism, it actually would be called a mental formation. Anger is a mental formation. Joy is a mental formation. And they aren't called uh, uh, feelings. In, in Buddhism, feelings just mean that either it's a, a negative uh, or unpleasant feeling or a pleasant feeling or neutral feelings. That's, that's as wide as the categories go. But everything that's more specific emotions are part of a story and they're mental formations. So this summary gets activated. Let's call it anger as a concept. And it helps to establish meaning about what happened at the bagel place. It, ex it sort of provides some uh, hypotheses about why this happened, how it happened. It, it, it can explain reactions, one's own reaction. It can explain the reactions of other people. Uh, it, can, it can bring out about motivation. You know, I, it brought motivation in me uh, to communicate to others in a certain way, to take certain kinds of action. Uh, and actually, it, it causes you to... Um, communicate uh, to yourself uh, what's going on, and then it further fuels your reactions. The rich summary I'm talking about, uh, which is attached to uh, a particular emotion name, uh, has in it the ingredients that are in the model of emotions that we use in DBT. That's where these things merge. It it is a different way of looking at it, but, but not so far off track. But it, it, it doesn't require throwing out what we do in DBT. But it's clear that DBT is based on more of the classical view of emotions as being in there 
with certain fingerprint that are activated by a certain type of prompting event and run a certain kind of course and therefore are amenable to certain kinds of skills for interventions. And all of those things that are going on in it actually are, you might say that that Lisa Feldman Barrett idea uh, that there is a highly condensed, efficient, multi-sensory summary in the brain uh, attached to different emotion words and we learn those as we grow up and as as we learn the names of emotions and we start attaching them and, and the fact that we have the names is very important um, is that is that if you were to get uh, if you were to get a, a scan and <laughs> if you could do a brain scan of what the program looks like the multi-sensory thought impression program of a given emotion, if you could get a picture of what it looks like and therefore what all the ingredients are, it would pretty much have the same ingredients that we have in DBT uh, when we go through what we call the model of emotions, which I'll cover next time along with some of the skills, uh, initial skills. So just so you know, if you're interested in this level of even talking about this, um, that these, that the, this Lisa Feldman Barrett idea it is going to be associated with certain prompting events which trigger this particular set of, um, of um, sensory inputs. And it is going to be associated with certain thoughts that get triggered. And it's going to be associated with certain brain chemistry changes uh, and certain body sensory changes uh, with body changes also like uh, heart rate and breathing changes and sweating and uh, metabolism, etc., hormonal output. And, and so on, and um, there will be a sense of what the emotion is and, and an attempt to name it sometimes. And there will be an action urge or uh, associated with it, which is not too far removed from what Lisa Bell Feldman Barrett would call that the, uh, this concept will predict things. And it also gives rise to things. It gives birth to um, motivation and certain types of action. And, it, and then it gets expressed in certain words. So, you know, you just assume that this is the package that's there. The only difference is, and I think it does make a difference to me when I think about this, um, that, that because we're thinking that we create an emotion against a backdrop of, of a sensory summary and a set of sensations, um, we, we, we might behave a little bit differently in trying to help somebody with, uh, with difficult emotions. Um, one thing is that she emphasizes a lot and it's really built into our manual in the number of different uh, emotion words that Linehan lists for each emotion, like a huge number of synonyms in the skills manual, is that that's very helpful. It's what, it's what uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett and other researchers call emotional granularity. The more names you can have, the more specific concepts, specific names that apply to the specific experiences you have, the more accurate your rendition, the more accurate your program is going to be, and the more accurate the various tools that you can apply to it will be. So that, that can be helpful. And, um, um, and, and also, I think it's going to lead you to be a little more uh, proactive um, um, in um, Asking somebody who's stuck with an emotion, uh, if, you t if you have the concept that this person is actually repeatedly creating their emotion, um, then you're going to intervene differently than if you just think that they keep being the victim 
of the actual emotion which has its own life and it is taking them over like like a hijacker um this i this idea i've been hijacked uh sometimes makes it seem a little uh fateful like it's going to be hard to do much about this you've been taken over by something but if you think you know i've i've partially created this i've taken some genuine sense impressions and i have turned it into an emotion and now i'm trapped in that emotion the way linehan has talked about it that's more or less the same thing is the way she's used a metaphor that emotions love themselves and in in that in that once you have an emotion that's going it will give rise to thoughts that keep creating the same emotion it'll give rise to actions that keep creating the same emotions and it might give rise as it did with me with the uh, bagel place a withdrawal as an action which kept perpetuating the same emotion didn't give it a chance to change by exposing myself to the to the circumstances there anymore so um it does uh, it does kind of like get, give you a, a place to intervene to try to interrupt in in lots of different ways that I'll be bringing up starting the next podcast i'll just say now what i'll in the next podcast i'm going to talk about a couple more things be uh, as preliminaries before i jump in to skill by skill um and but they are pretty close to the manual themselves because the other three modules are also critical when it comes to emotion regulation so to practice to understand how to practice mindfulness in a way that helps you come to terms with or live with or transform emotions there's just lots of teaching on that just strictly mindfulness teaching mindfulness is a huge package of concepts and principles uh and and practical things to do so i'm going to talk some about mindfulness and the, the treatment of uh of emotions by mindfulness the last module i talked about distress tolerance was about what to do with emotions when they get really intense and you're going to do something unfortunate uh, that you might regret uh how you might apply uh distress tolerance crisis survival skills but actually those also are helpful on a regular basis in uh, managing emotions if you apply them that way and also the associated reality acceptance skills and finally interpersonal skills which i haven't gone over yet but i will um a lot of interpersonal skills have to do with shaping your environment around you uh in a way that might uh reduce the kind of um intensity or frequency of some of your emotions so all of these play a role so i'm going to stop there um where i live we don't get trick or treaters uh we're kind of further out but uh where you all are i hope you enjoy halloween and uh if it's a holiday that you enjoy some people hate it and i will talk to you uh any of you who are listening in um 3 weeks from now okay bye bye